Hey, Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. We are back in the Westwood One studios, and my microphone, uh, I had this problem last time, is doing like this weird swivel thing. It's, <laughs> I don't know how to tighten it, but look, it's like, it, those of you who saw Thor Ragnarok, uh, the opening when Thor is uh, like talking to Surtur, and he gets dropped on a chain, and he's totally chained up, and he's on, he's like spinning on this chain, and <laughs> he's trying to talk to I guess the you know the Lord of Hell or whatever this this little magma filled hellish kingdom is, but he's chained up in this thing and he's spinning. That that's kind of what my microphone's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the microphone like spins away from me and I'm like, wait, hold hold on, hold on. I have something to say. I don't know how to tighten it, um, but we are back in the Westwood One Studios. I hope you've been enjoying Geekscape. We've been working overtime for you. You had like three episodes last week. You got the. Uh, podcast here from the studio with joe lynch if you haven't heard that go definitely check it out uh his movie uh mayhem just came out on november 10th uh i love it it's got steven yun from the walking dead in it and uh it's a bunch of mayhem so you guys should check it out joe was awesome definitely listen to that podcast especially if you're a filmmaker because we talk about like how to survive between films and uh as joe says he got that script while he was working a cubicle job which was Crazy demoralizing, but I think also lent itself to making what I think is his best movie. Um, and that one's out. We also sat down with Ian Kerner and talked about Thor Ragnarok. Um, there's lots of spoilers on that one. That's an Ian Kerner special, and you know how he gets encyclopedic and starts like, he like really goes inside baseball on this comic book stuff. Uh, we continue to do those podcasts because uh, I think you guys like the feedback. You guys like to hear some of the nitty gritty of like what that cameo was or what that Easter egg was or what was that post credit scene and what did it mean? What, it, you know, with all these movies being interconnected, I think Ian's value has gone way up because I don't even know any of that stuff. He's read every comic book ever made. It seems, uh, we've got a couple more coming up for you guys. We have justice league and then Netflix is the Punisher series is coming up. And so tell your friends to subscribe, stick to that feed and then I started something really special. So you got three podcasts last week. That's insane. I sat down with one of our own, Frank Sanders. He's been a Geekscapist since before it was Geekscape, since the, the podcast before Geekscape, Geekdrome. I sat down with Frank, and uh, we did like a kind of get-to-know-you podcast. I'm going to call them, the, it's the first time we've done this. I'm going to call it a Geekscape hang. And um, basically, if I get within the vicinity of any of you Geekscapists, I'm going to throw up the microphone and we're going to sit down for, I don't know, 15, 30, 45 minutes, and we're going to hang out, record it, and I'm going to get to know you guys. And I think, um, you know, in the sense of community, in the sake of community, I think that's important because we've been around for 11 years, and you guys are the community now. So I love you guys, and welcome to Geekscape. If this is your first Geekscape, you just got a whole lot of what it's about. <laughs> I'm going to be fighting my microphone the entire episode but that's okay i'm gonna ignore the microphone and i'm gonna focus on my guest uh lisa ebersall is here she's got a new series out it's on amazon prime it's on amazon prime and seed and spark video oh seed and spark video yes it's funny how i wanted to see a friend of mine short who she went through seed and spark mm-hmm. to like fundraise Crowdfund it. Mm-hmm. yeah and uh i was like wait i have to Wait, okay, so I, I buy the short, and then I can watch it. This were Oh, cool. All right. This makes sense. I, I I totally didn't even put two and two together that that was part of Seed and Spark's business model, which is crazy because I, I'm a, out of all the crowdfunding, yeah. Seed and Spark's probably the one that I think is most filmmaker-friendly. 
Well, it's cool because they're they're doing this subscription fee, like a monthly subscription, which everyone does. But half of your fee goes to crowdfunding new projects. So you get access to their streaming library, and then you also get to contribute to new films that are crowdfunding. And, uh, and you, do you get to like uh, dictate which mm-hmm. projects they go to? Yeah. So it's like, hey, you've got $10 exactly. sitting in this yeah. pool. Who do you want to give it to? Yeah, like the end of the month, they're like, okay, you need to make your contribution. Here are the projects we recommend or find one yourself. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I I knew about Seed and Spark and then uh, you geeks gave us know that I went, uh, I took one of my scripts to the Stowe Story Labs and one of my mentors at the Stowe Story Labs uh, in Vermont was Julie Keck who uh, works at Season Spark. She's been with Season Spark a long time, and so she kind of told us everything that like Season Spark could offer filmmakers. And I know a lot of filmmakers listen to this podcast. It's 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 kind of the way to go. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you started with Season Spark yeah. from the beginning on uh, Thirty Seven Problems. Like you were like, this is what I'm gonna like. This I'm in. I did. I actually made the first three episodes with money I'd saved from work. And then I had this fantasy that I was going to be able to like show them to HBO and they were going to pay for the rest. Oh, right. And uh, yeah, yeah. that didn't happen. Um, But I did, you know, become aware of Seed and Spark and decided to crowdfund the money myself. So I raised $37,000 by myself to pay for the rest of the series. Whoa. Yeah. Um, 37 solutions. Like, (laughs) that's insane. Okay. Like, give me a time frame here because... because that that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. So so where are you from? First off, let's 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 just get to know you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm from Washington D.C., okay. like downtown, real <laughs> city, not suburbs. Um, whoa, whoa. Hey, what? You got a problem with the kids from the no? Like, just sometimes people say they're from D.C. and then like I hear Virginia, Baltimore. Maryland. Yeah. No. Well, okay. So I mean, you are like District of Columbia yeah. or get the fuck yeah, out. Yeah. Like, exactly. That is, really. Like the real. Yeah. Is, is there a sense of pride with that? Because yeah. Like, where does that come from? It's because like, it's... When yeah. they talk about draining the swamp, they talk about me. Like, yeah. like I don't know what that is. <laughs> I know nothing about the pride of... What? There's pride to being an actual DCer as opposed to a commuter from the suburb from the suburbs. I yeah, like. our mayor's a crack addict. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know what. Like, where's the where's the? Pride? I'm not saying it's all positive, but uh, <laughs> I'd never heard that because obviously, like everybody from Baltimore thinks of the shit because the wire. Yeah, you know, and they're like, yo. I'm hard as fuck. But then you realize they didn't like they didn't like live in a hard part of Baltimore. It's just any association yeah. with Baltimore and suddenly they're a character from the wire. Um, <laughs> DC, uh that seems um that's new to me, but I'll wrap my head around it. And I guess, yeah, the you know, when you think of DC, I think most of us just think politics. Right. Or like kids who went to okay universities, pretty good universities, yeah. and then they stayed there. <laughs> I didn't know it had this whole cred thing going and that it was gang wars. Um, <laughs> but I'll give it that. Sure, you know that both sides of the aisle get pretty nasty with each other. So I can I understand that that's kind of a tri- – that's the only trickle down that happens yeah. in, in in Washington, D.C. And then when did, you went to New York from there? What I went to – well, I, um, I went to Miami from there, what? University of Miami. Yeah. I, uh, I wasn't into the whole Ivy League prep school thing, so I decided to get as far away from that as I could. Screw that noise. Yeah. Just, went to Miami. I hate those people. Where you can get a scholarship for getting 1200 on your SATs. I should have gone to Miami. I went, I went to Ivy League schools. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> I should have gone to University of Miami. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, had a free and like, ride. What, what, why did, and so you went down there because they were going to give you a scholarship. 
But did you know at that time that you wanted to be a filmmaker or were you thinking no, like, I, I, um, be I was into fun. photography and when I got there, I did a lot of underwater photography, which I'm guessing is the only place you can do that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of ocean. Yeah, there's a lot of ocean. But wait, that was like a major? Yeah. Not just photography, but underwater. You could specialize, you specialize in underwater, in underwater photography. Yeah. yeah well, that's crazy. Um, but that makes sense. Um, okay. So you're doing that. You're swimming a lot. Yes. Uh, you're diving a lot. Uh, and when did like the storytelling element kick in? Not that photography is not storytelling. Photographers, please do not yell at me. Um, but like at what point were you like, hey, I want some narrative? I, um, I transferred to NYU and, um, my photo work kind of started getting more directorial. I started sort of setting shots up more and becoming more interested in that than kind of, um, I guess photojournalistic or just random photography. And w- uh, okay, so Miami wasn't working out for you. No, like the weather was like too nice. No, it was. Ni- <laughs> I just started to feel like all my friends kept drop failing out of school and dropping out of school. Oh, University of Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're, if you're not paying for it, like you treat it like eh, whatever. <laughs> you know, oh, eh, yeah. I got a tw- you know, yeah, I got a twelve hundred. I'm good. And then all of a sudden, like the cocaine just becomes too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, it just feels to me like UMM would have been like a party school. It was a party school. Like someone had a ferret that like fell out the window of the dorm. It was very tragic. So <gasps> it was. There were like catastrophes happening all the time. <laughs> Did you ever watch the Beastmaster? That no. movie from the eighties. That's like the hardest part to watch in the entire the movie. Ferrets. Yeah, the Beastmaster. Okay, in this movie, it's a fantasy movie, right? Okay. And it's got this guy, Mark Singer, and he can talk to animals. He's the Beastmaster, and he has to save people, and, you know, he swings a sword and everything. <laughs> and then there's one scene where he's like, his, his, he literally says, like, these are my thieves, Kodo and Poto, and they're his little ferrets. And he sends one in, and Rip Torn is like the villain, and, mm. he, and he's about to sacrifice this woman, like, over, like, this, like, pyre and, like, this pit, right? She's gonna, he's gonna, you know, because bad guys sacrifice yeah, women to their dark gods or whatever in this fantasy movie. And right as he's like raising the dagger or something, the ferret runs up and bites his hand Ugh. and he drops it or, you know, foils his plan. Yeah. But the damn ferret falls into like this fiery pit. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we're turning this off. <laughs> I can't yeah. deal with that. So no. people were partying so hard that the ferret died. Yeah, they would like get excited and buy a ferret and then. It would die. So, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Oh, no. Um, but the photography was the good part of that school. And um, I got my type A kicked in and I transferred to NYU. Uh-huh. And I was working for a um, still life photographer, actually. And he, you know, asking him for career advice. And he said, well, you know, you're at the best film school in the country. Arguably, you know, I was up the street. I was up the street at Columbia. How dare you, ma'am? It's fine. NYU is a great school. Um, yeah, but uh, he, and they might be the best in the country. Well, I don't know, but he said, you know, take a film class before you leave, and that sort of brought together everything I'd been doing with photography and with writing. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So it was really that last semester of college that it kind of all came together for totally. me. Totally, I yeah. thought that. In Geekscape, you're only listening to me because I thought this. I thought I was going to go into radio. That's mm. why I did the radio all through undergrad. And it wasn't until like the senior year that I was like, oh, the stories that yeah. I tell on the radio, they're more, they could be visual. And then like film school came out of that. Yeah. Did you go to graduate school after that? 
No, I um, I was in New York and I started writing animated educational movies for kids for this site called Brain Pop, which mm-hmm. is still around today. It's awesome. A little boy and his robot tell you about all kinds of things. I want to watch that yeah, right it's now. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then I got into theater. Um, I was going through a, I was seeing a couples therapist with the boyfriend I lived with at the time when I was like 26. And um, we were supposed to go on dates to try to save our relationship. How so, long had that relationship been going at this point? It had been going for like three years. Okay. So from 23 to 26, yeah. you're, okay. Yeah. And so we're living in Brooklyn and I had never been to like an off-off Broadway play, but I found this play in Time Out New York and it was, you know, 15 bucks. So we went, and that literally changed my life. Um, the relationship did not last, but I was—I saw this play that was a couple's relationship told kind of out of order, like betrayal. Mm-hmm. And it the betrayal was, first, and then you like go back to the innocence of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, you kind of m- moved around through this couple's relationship, and it was called Peter and Vandy. And um, I just decided this—I want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like so honest and lifelike and just simple that I um, called up the owner of the theater, who was this character actor, Tom Noonan, who was of in course. Manhunter and yeah. Yeah, a lot of things. Uh, and I started taking acting and writing classes with him. And within a year, I was mounting my first play at his theater. And like the, and so you didn't need that dude anymore. <laughs> well, he's still a very good friend of mine. I oh, do need sorry, him. man. And sorry. he has my cats, oh. my ex-cats. Oh, okay. So... Um, are they back in New York? They're in Brooklyn. Yeah, they're Brooklyn, they're Brooklyn. cats. Yeah. And so you're doing these plays and uh and you're you're just wait, what was the first play? Cuz it was I mean, called People Die That Way. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> So so what tell me about that one because I mean, what's going through your mind when you're sitting there and you're watching this play? And it's about a relationship and you've got a lot invested in it because you're trying to start things new and you're trying to find some kind of a spark or something. You're doing it for the cats at this point, Mm -hmm. maybe. Oh, no, totally. I would cry about the cats. Like stay together for the kids. Um, But you're, you know, and and, and it seems like this guy's really cool. Yeah. Good guy. It's just something is not on the same track. And you're sitting there watching this play about the re-evolution of this the reverse of this this Benjamin buttoning relationship. Did you cry during the play? Were you like, I mean, I, I have to imagine that it was speaking to you on many levels. Yeah. yeah. Was he crying during the play? He loved it too. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I don't think he's the crying type, but um, it definitely, yeah. I mean, there was an entire like 12 minute scene about, that was a fight that started over making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, yeah. which to me, it was just like, yeah, it's, it gets down to like, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches did you see the i uh i like this movie a lot um the breakup yeah and it had yeah. you know vince vaughn and jennifer uh-huh. aniston and peyton reed directed it who did ant-man geeks uh i've always loved peyton reed and i think that movie you know when they're when they're arguing over the lemons yeah i'm like yep yeah yeah you just kind of find any front to fight on just be like okay like yeah this, oh that's so uncomfortable yet completely honest what a great play and uh and the, so you felt this resonance and what made you then think like okay uh even though i'm a photographer i think the stage is like where i'm gonna go because because uh, i mean it feels like all the play all the things were in to hit you over the head and be like film you know and yet you went theater 
Yeah, I mean, I had started taking acting classes and I actually took one with Rip Torn's wife, speaking of Small oh, World. Yeah, Amy Wright. Awesome. She's an awesome actress. Been like, your husband killed the pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I was doing it to become a better director, but in... Um, you know, in Tom's theater, everyone kind of does everything. And so I had acted in somebody else's scene one night and he was like, you should be acting. Mm -hmm. So I just, at age 27, which is like ancient to become an actor, decided, okay, I'm going to try this. And um, yeah, I just kept moving forward. As an actress. And as an actor, writer, writer, director, just doing it all. Producer, yeah. Um, And so that first play, uh, what was it? (laughs) <laughs> it was called People Die That Way. Cool. I want to do I want to see the poster. That's what, <laughs> um, what is that about? It well, it was And you wrote it yourself. I wrote it myself. Were you in it? I was in it. Yeah. Okay. And you, you had a friend direct it or you directed, I directed it? it? Yeah. Oh my god. You're just yeah, doing everything. Did okay. everything. Yeah. Kevin Smith of the stage. Yes, yes. And you're uh and you so you're you wrote this thing. What was it about? People die that way. It was it took place in Port Authority bus station. Uh-huh. And it was these people who were waiting around for a bus from New York to DC. People die, listen, if you were been to Port <laughs> if you've been to Port Authority in New York, I don't know I'm like I just told my friends, Hey man, I'll drive you. Like Port Authority <laughs> in New York is like that's tough. Yeah. And I imagine there's tons of ways people die. I'm sure that authority. people have died in Port So they're sitting around and it's kind of like a conversational piece. It's like a well, Jim Jarmusch two, thing. No, it's this couple who's going to, she, she's from D.C. and they're going to visit her parents for Thanksgiving. And then they run into another woman who went to high school with her. Mm-hmm. Who you discover in this course of the play was sort of obsessed with her. Oh. Um, and then there's another couple um, that the obsessed woman knows who who come into the picture. So it becomes these kind of five people, and it's about relationships and um, obsession and, uh, yeah, just the kind of random. I, New York, for me, I'm always running into people. Sure. I um, That University of Miami, my roommate that I had my first year had this boyfriend who uh, would come down and visit from UVA. And years later, I was, 20 years later, I was on the subway in New York holding an MRI results that had my name on them. And what'd he, you do? Oh, you okay, you tore like a ligament? No, I have this weird he- thing in my head where like all the ventricles are swollen. So like I got admitted to the ER once and they freaked out and thought I was dying. Maybe it's like your mutant power. It just hasn't yeah. stepped up. You know what I mean? Apparently I got hit on the head as a baby at some point. Wait, really? Yeah. And so it swelled, but then it stopped swelling. So now it's just like bulbous inside my head. And they can't like put a straw in it and suck it out they or They can, but that could change like my brain functioning. So I decided not to do that. Whoa. That's crazy. <laughs> That's insane. Um, so you you got a big brain. Uh, I got a big brain. You've got a big brain. And so uh, you've got this play. And does anybody die in the play? Nobody dies, but the, the, the title is a reference to um, one of them is talking about a, a friend of hers who broke his jaw and had to eat all his food through a straw for mm-hmm. uh, three months and choked. And then, you know, she just says in the course of the story, people die that way. Did you have anybody like show up and be like, I want my ticket back. I thought this was going to be pretty badass. And then people were talking about their feelings the whole time. I and had people write horrible review comments online. Well, was the play any good? Like, yeah, like, it, like it was. A, back, it like, was. Uh, it was an editor's pick by Time Out New York. Oh, geez. It got like an amazing review on backstage. That's awesome. Um, 
Yeah, but some people hated it. It all. It also got this guy said like some guy online said at Broadway World said my parents should be castrated because this play late, was so bitch. bad. It's I know it was late. a little extreme, it's a like, little well, late. Dude, yeah. If you want the parents castrated to keep the <laughs> play from happening. You need a time machine, and then you need to get, like, do you know how castration works? It's a little late. Lisa's now, like, what? Like, I was, like, 27 or 27. Yeah. You're 27 years too late, pal. Um, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, what's the, I mean, the the feedback, I mean, but it toughened you up, it sounds like. Oh, definitely, yeah. And you were like, okay, yeah. I know who to ignore now. Yeah. The entirety of the internet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, so you have this play. You have some critical, like, acclaim. Uh, you wrote it in another play, another yeah. play or two? Yeah, I wrote, uh, the next one was called Brother, and it was about these two white sisters who um, meet this black guy on the street in the East Village in the middle of the night and are kind of drunk and invite him up to their apartment. Cool. And one of their husbands comes home in the middle of it and sort of doesn't like what's going on, and it kind of turns violent at the end. That's the kill. That, that's, that, that's the one yeah. you wanted. If you were upset with the first one, titled it the, correctly. Yeah. Um, okay, so so you, really, you're focusing on like this sort of like uncomfortable, um, like these dynamics between like yeah. interpersonal dynamics that are really uncomfortable mm-hmm. and exploring that stuff. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Welcome to Geeks Kid, where we yeah. psychoanalyze you. <laughs> I mean, do you have like brothers and sisters and you grew up in like a, was it the streets of D.C. that you grew up in? No, and realized we these grew things? up in an apartment, but um, a nice apartment. But my brother, you know, we did grow up kind of on top of each other. Right. Like there were no locks on the doors. It was all one floor. You know, my dad ran around in his tidy whities So it was really? like no boundaries. And your parents stayed married? Yeah, they did. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, yes, they did. <laughs> and so... And, and I think that's what really stretches the people to figure out their interpersonal relationships is like when you start seeing your parents make out into your like nascent sexuality where you're like, oh, my parents are making out and I want to go make out. And now I've got my parents like still loving each other and I've got these feelings and I want to go out and find somebody and I'm still living amongst it. Like I always I always joked that like divorce made you like sort your shit out real early. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, like, I'm like, oh, like, I remember when my parents got divorced being like, oh, I got, I'm really angry. I got to figure this shit out. <laughs> They're not going to, oh, this isn't going to work. And then the other kids had to watch their parents make out their entire lives. And they're like, oh, so I guess you guys had some work to do on your end, too. And it may have worked itself into these plays. You know, I, I do think that in all honesty, like having two brothers and stuff like that, like I do think that the interpersonal workings and the dynamics like did lend themselves to these plays and you're exploring these things and you're also kind of finding your place. Yeah. You just bounced from like Miami to New York and that's a pretty weird transition, right? Like that's, those are drastically different, especially yeah. like as institutions go. Yeah. Like University of Miami probably can't be much like any different than NYU. Like, no. like, like <laughs> that's pretty different. Like yeah. NYU is, uh, you know, they're both good schools for different reasons. Um, so what point did, were you like, I'm going to move out West? I, I did four plays, four full length plays and a bunch of shorts. And I wanted to, um, I, I, I got really depressed after each play because the play would end. And then all these people that you've been spending all this time with for, right. you know, four or five months, it just go away. It's like a postpartum. Yeah. You're like, Oh, and then go. I get depressed and it takes me like three months to recover. So my solution was, I want to just do a play that doesn't end. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll do a, a serialized play that performs every Monday night. And I had this whole like choose your own adventure element worked into it. With the audience and everything? Yeah, oh, which was cool. going to be part of it. It got very complicated. And then I realized kind of what I was describing was television. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, did you try and put the play up? I, di- I, I mean, I wrote it, but I didn't. By the time I was like getting into the actual production thoughts, I had kind of realized, you know, I want to make something that's more lasting sure. than, you know, um, plays are great, but they're ephemeral and all you have are kind of the people who saw it and their memories and then reviews, bad mm-hmm. and good. Um, and I, but yeah, I, I wanted to make something more lasting and I'd made some short films and one feature film. And so I, um, yeah, I, I turned my sort of, thoughts to television when did you do that uh, the short films were those part of your nyu mm-hmm. classes yeah and then the feature film came like right after NYU? i made a feature out of my second play which was a very experimental feature the brother one right. the one about the two but sisters you could shoot it all in one apartment exactly and it's yeah. pretty easy yeah how long did it take you to shoot that uh eight days and you shot that in eight days with the actors from the play all but one okay. I, I switched one but yes how did he take that uh, he was very gracious about it. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I just feel like, oh, you guys, I remember when I was in high school, I would, uh, work at a, this comic book store and all the kids in, at my high school would bring their big trucks. I grew up in Texas, of course, and they all have big trucks and these kids in their big trucks would come into the parking lot outside the comic book store because it was a pharmacy. And I think they knew somebody would like sell them liquor at the pharmacy. <laughs> so they would all hang out in the parking lot. And I would go out and be like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, what's up? What are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, nothing. And then they would all leave to go to the parties. And I, would, I wouldn't hear about the parties until Monday. <laughs> and I would feel like totally left out that they're oh. all going to these parties. And I was right there. Like I was like they could have just invited me to the parties. <laughs> they were in the parking lot of my comic book store. And, uh, and I just wanted to make sure that that actor did not feel like that. So. No, That's good. He took, he took so. it way better than I took my social life in high school. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on? Nothing. Go back to your Spider-Man, pal. We're all going to go and uh, get blasted and laid. Bye. That was that was my Friday nights in high school. And I was like, eh, Wonder Woman never dumped me. Here we go. <laughs> Turning the pages. Uh, cool. So uh, so you've made this feature film, and that thing's kind of hanging around. Did you do anything with it? Were you able to like send it off? It was pretty experimental. Because it was pretty the... experimental. That's uh, awesome. Do you still have it? Yes. <laughs> can we download it from iTunes? Uh, no. <laughs> can anybody see it? You can maybe see it. I'll I'll bring you a DVD. If you still have a DVD okay. player, you can I see do. it. I do. Okay. Um, cool. So that'll be available on Blu-ray with yes. the success of the series. Um, so we've got this uh, thing going, and now you've moved, you've got, you've, you, you thought about television. You did not want to stay in New York at that point because you were like, I'm really going to go for this. Yeah, I well, I applied to uh, I had applied to Juilliard a couple of years in a row for um, a playwriting fellowship, mm-hmm. and I got down to like the final ten people both years, but they didn't choose me. So I had this kind of idea. I also wanted to stop doing stuff totally on my own, and so I wanted to be kind of part of a bigger community. Uh, so I found out UCLA had this professional program that you could apply to for screenwriting. And I, when I didn't get into Juilliard, I applied to UCLA and I got in and I came out here. What year, like, like what years? This was like six years ago. Okay. Yeah. So you've been out here six years and you're like, great. 
I'm gonna make it, and you're like yeah. really like right. positive. Right. You drove out by yourself. I I, I didn't drive out. Uh-huh. I didn't have a car because I was living in New York. Right, <laughs> right, that makes sense. So I came out here and wasted a lot of money renting cars you're for like, nine months. Cats. The yeah. cats must have been tough. Yeah, the cats were tough. Yeah. Um, in that relationship, uh, st- it's a friendship now, but it yeah. stopped being a romantic relationship over the course of your playwriting and this and that. Like you just became obsessed with the playwriting. We broke up did it. before the first play. Oh wow! So yeah, right. it wasn't. He okay. was you know around as a friend, but and yeah. I bring it up because like uh, if you guys go to Amazon Prime or if you guys go to Season Spark, uh, look for this thing. Uh, it's called 27 Problems. I 37. Wrote, uh, 37, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was making you younger. Because <laughs> of 37 Problems. And it. Uh, and I thought it was really great. Like, like, definitely watch it. It's really funny. And it's inspiring that I, I want to find out how you made this thing. Because uh, as a filmmaker myself, I'm like, okay, you made three episodes. And then used the three episodes to then crowdfund again to make the other six episodes. Because it, it is a nine-episode series. But I think that it also works like as its own little mini like one hour movie mm-hmm. uh you just yank out the yeah the pieces but you you know you're right you're you're learning how to like write like cliffhangers and each episode has a little bit of like a reveal at the end mm-hmm. that, that throws you into the next one um you're out here six years and like how like how was the dating thing like because i'm guessing that some of this stuff is very autobiographical yeah okay um i when i came out here i um my friend had set me up on a business meeting with a producer who she used to, she used to be his assistant. And we didn't end up doing business together, but we ended up starting to date. And mm-hmm. he was uh, 14 years older than I am. So I was dating him for um, up until about six months ago. Right. So he was a big part of this, you know, in terms of like inspiring me to do it. And then, you know, in terms of being at that point in my life where I wanted to move forward, but kind of not knowing how to do that and, and trying to figure that out, you know, with someone and as a single person. Uh, I mean, were you guys exclusive yes. in this relationship? So mm-hmm. so really, like, when I'm watching this series and you're talking about this, like, uh, what's really great in, in Geekscape is, like, when you, when you watch this thing, get through the... Well, I, I really feel like it takes a turn early on when you have your conversation with your, with your mom. I think that's mm-hmm. the second episode. That's the end of the first episode. End of the first episode. Because yeah. what happens, I mean, like you can probably solve it better yeah. than I can, but uh, you're now 37. Yeah. And the pressures of, like, the main pressure is you want to get this web series finished that has been shot, and you want to get it yeah. finished and edited to Sundance because you've made it to their final round. Yeah. And the editor wants $10,000. Right. So you're like, okay, I'm going to go... <laughs> Uh, and ask for the patronage of my parent, mother. my mother, who's doing well, and your mom's awesome in the series. She's very funny, and I'm going to ask her for ten thousand dollars. And your mom says, "Sure, as long as you go and get your eggs frozen, because I want grandchildren. And what are you doing with your life?" Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought that conversation was really great, and so a part Thank of you. Uh, so I was like, "Wait, how much of this is reality, and how much of this is fiction?" Not that the pressures that once you get into your mid thirties to have children. Mm-hmm. Not that those pressures aren't existent for everybody, regardless of being in a relationship or not. Like, what was, um, how much, I mean, what was the process of putting that stuff on screen? Because there's a lot of vulnerability really early in this. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, the, the relationship that I had, you know, the, for six years here was very on and off. So I was single for long stretches for, I think, a year, you know, at one point. And, um, 
my girlfriends and I uh, in LA and New York, my single girlfriends, we would have this um, these conversations, especially with Stephanie Sanditz, who plays my best friend in the series. You know, we were always talking about like, we're getting, you know, our biological time is running out, but mm-hmm. we're not in the position to have a kid. And, um, you know, it's this thing that I wasn't seeing anybody talk about, which was kind of the ambivalence around motherhood, like not being someone who's wanted a baby since I could remember. I was just conscious of like, if I want to have them, like it's time to do it, but I don't really want to have them. But what if I do in 10 years? Right. Like that kind of feeling. And that, and, and so you were at the time in your, your real life, you were feeling pressure to maybe make that decision and be like, well, yeah. I'll put a couple in the fridge and we'll just, and may, and I'll just have this insurance, but that stuff is expensive too. And Exactly. You got to figure and, that stuff out. And when you're a filmmaker and you're out here, you, again, you guys heard from Joe Lynch, who even though he's made movies with big name talent, uh, and these movies get seen, like sometimes you can go through stretches between films where you just don't have the gigs. And um, and both Lisa and I've been teachers. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a teacher now. Yeah, I'm a teacher week. now too. Like yeah. Um, and you just have to keep staying afloat. Yeah. And so taking thousands and thousands of dollars away for like an insurance of something that you may feel later may seem like might as well buy a PS4. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, in my case, it was like I had, um, I think, close like $12,000. And it was like, do I freeze my eggs or make a web series? Sure. And I was like, I'm going to make a web series about it. (laughs) So you you took, I mean, not to say what the budget was on the first three episodes. But that's, but is that what you spent on the first episode? Yeah, I think it was actually, I ended up spending about 5,000 an episode. So I think the whole project, all nine episodes, it was probably about Mm $45,000 all in. But but you made those first three first. Yeah, for like 15, about. And when was that? That was two years ago. So two years ago, you make these first three episodes Mm -hmm. in the hopes that you can then, we're going to have some meetings, we're going to parade it around. Trust me, Geekscape, you've been hearing about hearing prophecy (laughs) for a long time. This is the process. Remember when we made our sizzle? Do you guys remember you guys got so excited that we were going to make a, a movie or a TV show or a web series or something? Like, remember that? Uh, and then you paraded around and people yeah. were like, oh, yeah, this we have something like this. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah. Or, hmm, I don't know. It, da, 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 da. Everybody's got these excuses. And yeah. you can't bite at the excuses. No. Because some of them are just so freaking ephemeral and weird that you're just like, yeah. no, no, I'm going to stick to my guns. Yeah. Um. And you do. So you stuck to your guns. I mean, you had these yeah. three episodes and you put, did you post these episodes? No, I didn't. I, um, for six months just showed them to, you know, anyone I could. And, and most of the feedback was, it's great. Like, let us know when it's done Oh, or awesome? it's great. And yeah. kind of nothing. Go to, <laughs> nothing our, go to our YouTube that. and you'll see all the comments that are like, when's the movie coming out? Or yeah. <laughs> like, motherfucker. Um, so you're, you've got this thing and are you getting depressed over this time? Because, I mean, are you facing the same problems that you had back in New York post-play where you're like, I have this thing and at least plays were finished. Yeah. And now I have this thing <laughs> and it is just in its nascent Sitting scene. here, I yeah. Have a, I have a third of a play. Yeah. I don't even have the satisfaction of having gone through a complete thing with anybody and then saying goodbye. Um, that's got to be frustrating. So, well, the most stressful thing actually was I have this a third of a web series and I, w- I know I want to make the rest. I'm committed mm-hmm. to, I'm very good about like following through with what I set out to do. 
And, you know, there's the realities of like, I'm a, I think I I was 38. I'm a 38 year old woman. I'm not going to look the same in a year. So that's what I started getting stressed out about. Like, it's not going to match if I don't shoot this thing soon. Um, (laughs) Right. Okay. So you're you're having that, that issues run through your head. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's kind of what lights the fire. Well, I just kind of set a time limit on it. I was like, I'll give it six months. You know, if nobody is going to help me make it happen, then I'm going to do it myself. And is that when you went to Seed and Spark? And how did you meet the folks at Seed Spark? You just heard, had heard about it, or maybe through like some of your work or your friends had done it? Through a clandestine women filmmakers group that I can only say that much about. But um, they. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Illuminati. <laughs> the Illuminati. That's awesome. Yeah. They uh, got me to Seed and Spark, and then um, they were just super helpful with every stage. It's not like an anonymous thing, like Kickstarter or. Um, you know, another where they're just like, here's the platform, upload your stuff. You know, they really held my hand through like making the pitch video and how much money I thought I could raise and, you know, connected me with people I could talk to. And it, they were just super supportive and helpful from day one. And they also have like a big social media yeah. push where it, even if like, let, let's say if, if you make something and you share it on your Facebook, you don't even have to amass dollars. If you amass certain level of followers, they'll give you a bunch of stuff like they'll give you a lot of resources, yeah, which is kind of exactly. cool too. So there's incentives to not just add the money, but you can also ha- be incentivizing people to share because not everybody wants to donate cash or yeah. can donate cash, but everybody can freaking share the damn thing and everybody yeah. can click follow. Yeah. Uh, your friends who didn't click follow, they're not your friends, Lisa. Because <laughs> uh, they could have at least done that. Um, I'm kidding. So uh, you have you, you run this campaign for what, 30 days? 30 days. And over yeah. the course of 30 days, you raise? $37,000. $37,000. And like, what was, what was like the big like um, push? Like what was the big focus of this push? Was it, what, did you admit to having already made three of them? Yeah, yeah, so because I like, had a pitch video that we, you know, we cut it together like the kind of current mm-hmm. uh, me speaking about it with footage and, you know, I cracked an egg on my head at one point. And by the way, that bruises. I bruised yeah, no, my forehead with well, an egg. Well, They're hard. Don't do hard boiled. No, no, no. It was <laughs> a regular egg. Um, why'd you do that? I just thought it would be funny. Well, it probably was. <laughs> Keep in mind, like, Lisa, you have this like little pocket in your brain that we talked about earlier. And yeah. so like cracking an egg on your head, like not so good. No, there's like a little space in your brain that are in your head from when you were a kid. Yeah. Like, and so that might've like been, I did something. I yeah. You're like, I won't let somebody put a straw in it, but I'm going to start smashing things on, on it. My, now, yeah. as, as an older brother to a pro wrestler, that's, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, you hit your goal. Yeah, so we, we do hit it our again. goal. I would. At one Front point, I... Head. Do forehead next. I did forehead. Oh, but that's really? where the bruise was. Then it was visible. So I had this little, like, <gasps> okay, purple the, thing on my forehead for a while. Do back of the head. Yeah. People were like, people thought you were like, I wish Ash wouldn't do yeah, that or something. something. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm thanks. really religious. I do it every day. You're just like an egg every yeah. day. <laughs> um, that's Okay, so this is crazy. And you, you hit your 37,000, and then you're into production. Yeah. The whole gang's back together. The whole gang. You got to cure this thing that with this postpartum. It yeah. went away. You're like, good to see you guys again. Everybody's back. Let's rock. And it kind of felt like yeah. that. You were captain of the ship again. So how long did it take you to then finish out the six episodes? That we were- shot those over five weekends, every weekend in April that mm-hmm. year, um, which was a year, a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're shooting this thing. Um, the gang's all back together. And if, when you watch this Geekscape, especially those of you who are filmmakers, um, look at just the level of, um, A, there's quality to it. 
Um, so production quality first and foremost. Uh, there's good talent in it, so throw the acting in it uh, and definitely get good actors. <laughs> great sound, get some good sound. But also look at the limited locations, and even though there are great actors in it, there's limited cast. So when you're writing these things, I think, like, Lisa, you wrote it very economically, yeah. and you shot it very economically. Limited yeah. locations, limited cast. This may have been some of the things you were teaching, Yeah. right? Like you tell your yeah. students, and that's what I like about teaching is you yeah. can't be an a-hole. You can't be like, all right, kids. This is how you make a movie. And then you go and just do the exact opposite. Yeah. You know? So in that way, uh, teaching has really focused me. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's the same for oh, you. Oh, no, but, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you enjoy the teaching? I do. Um, I do mostly like um, private script coaching. Mm-hmm. My um, my ex-boyfriend and I actually have uh, a business together. In New York? No, the one oh. here. Oh, got it. Uh, the producer. <laughs> the producer, yeah. Got it. Uh, where we we have something called the writing intensive, where we do um, seven weeks to write a pilot, and we talk to everybody for twenty minutes every day for seven weeks, and you write every night. How many people are in this it's class? It's crazy, uh, like fifteen. Wait, every single fifteen of those people gets a twenty, 20 minute conversation. Yeah, so I was on the phone before I came here, and I'll be on the phone in the car on the way home. That's a lot writers. of reading, and that's yeah. a lot of talking. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, it's fun. But, you you like that I stuff. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I don't even read. I, when people come to me and they're like, hey, man, well, you read my script. I'm like, you should be sending these scripts to the dude with the cats. And the cats can I mean, no. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm Geekscape. So I'm, I'm terrible at reading scripts. Um, because That's awesome, though, yeah. that you're doing this. Um, I find that very altruistic. Um, and I know it's a business, but, yeah. oh, man, to me, reading some of these scripts is like, I'd rather be laying bricks. Like, I'd just be like, no, give me some manual labor instead because it's, I, you know, maybe it's like I fall asleep. I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, anyway, we're here and we're talking about uh, 37 Problems, which you geeks gave us should all be downloading right now. Uh, again, it's available on Amazon Prime and I know you guys have Amazon Prime. Um, and if you don't, go to Seed and Spark and search for their videos and you should probably be subscribing anyway because it gives you access to their video library and uh, as Lisa said, a portion of your subscription goes to filmmakers so they can make more stuff like 37 Problems. Um, so, again, I want to go back to this autobiographical thing. Yeah. Um, you didn't have the auto, you didn't have this need to make children. That wasn't really like an urge for you. Like, like this was your children, child, like making a series. Yeah. I mean, I ha- it's hard. Like, I was on the plane back from There's DC nothing wrong with yesterday. You. Uh, what? There's nothing wrong with you. You mean on the surface? Yeah, well, no. I, I mean, but there's. I, I, I didn't. I didn't want to give you a complex for not like. No, if, no, if you no, don't no, want no. to have kids. I didn't want to give you a complex. Well, to be it's like, not. Well, it's not that I don't want. I've always had this feeling like, okay, I'll want kids someday. Right. But then I'm 37, and someday is now, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing anything about it except making a web series about it. So I start to feel like, do I actually want them? And now I'm 41, and I still think I'll want them someday. But now I'm. Now it's like really crazy. So it's every day I think about it. Did you end up doing it? No. You didn't end up freezing them? No. So you got to do like, yeah, but there's like yoga instructors and like people who are like super fit who like still have kids in their 40s. It's true. It happens. Yeah. It does happen. It does happen. And they don't all end up like sloths from the Goonies. No, no, that's you know? true. <laughs> like yeah. Some of the kids are pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So you finish this thing. Yeah. And then you're looking at distribution, which mm-hmm. is like the thing we tell our students right. is really hard. Yeah. Writing. Don't love it. It's alone and tough <laughs> and, you, and it's full of doubt production just a hell of a lot of stress yeah. it's like being in a stress cage and being shaken 
Um, and then distribution is like, welcome to Death Valley, Arizona yeah. or California. And you're just, there's no one around. Hey, does anybody want to distribute this? Echo, echo, yeah. echo. So what do you do? I mean, how do you get something like this onto like Amazon Prime? Yeah, well, I started with um, festivals. Like okay. that was my first thought. Um, what, what are like the festivals out there? Like, like if well, you have Sundance web has like... an episodic now. Mm-hmm. Austin has had an episodic for a long time. Um, and then there's a ton of like web series festivals. Like Brooklyn Web Fest was started by a friend of mine. Uh, I think it's entering its fourth year. Cool. And uh, every city has like a web fest now. I pretty much it seems like. So you, you're, you're how long? What window are you using to bring it around to these festivals? You're giving me like a year. I gave, you, I gave it about a year. Yeah. And you're you're traveling around. You're you're putting this thing in festivals. You're making sure people watch it. Uh, what's the reaction there? And, and how much of the like one hour are you showing? Because you have a one hour total. Yeah, and so, but I'm only showing usually one, the first episode because oh. nobody wants to screen the whole hour. They want to screen like the pilot. So for a long time, nobody saw the full series. Mm-hmm. In the, I mean, again, like I tell you, Geekscape is the first episode is really good um, because you get that inciting incident of the mom being like, okay, yeah. I'll give you your $10,000 check, <laughs> but grandkids still have to be on the table yeah. for me. Do your parents actually pressure you? You said you flew back from D.C. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> no, my mom has been remarkably um, chill about that, but I will say I have a younger brother who has a four-year-old, so he kind of took care of the grandchild thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for me, so uh, I haven't been under the grandchild pressure. That's why I felt like continuing to do this Geekscape thing is like my my parents haven't given me any pressure about like, uh, dude, how long are you been talking to the nerds on the internet? Oh, because my younger brother again took chairs to the head for a living, and so yeah. they're like, dude, anything but that, and you're doing great. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, for taking the pressure off of me. <laughs> um, I love Paul. Oh, and mentioning Paul. Uh, our good Geekscapists over on the forums, if you guys go to, I call them the forums, but it's really our Facebook group, um, the old forums, rest in peace. We all love the old forums. But if you go on the Facebook group, Geekscape Forever, uh, Geekscapist Guy Woodruff started up a conversation because uh, Paul's show, uh, Lucha Underground on El Rey, got renewed for a fourth season. So I know Paul will be happy because he loves that gig. He loves working for El Rey and uh, Lucha Underground. It's like, re- supposedly it's really great wrestling, but, and I, I will go see it. I just, Matt Kelly loves Lucha Underground. All you guys love Lucha Underground. I will watch it one day. But you got to understand, there's a visceral like response to seeing that stuff done to someone in your family. <laughs> like I couldn't even play the the Raw versus SmackDown video games because every time somebody would be like fighting my brother, I would get like really like angry. Um, so it, it's harrowing. It may not be harrowing to you guys because you may not have a whole lot of skin in the game, but it's really. Uh, stressful for me to watch my brother wrestle sometimes because uh, I'm just like, don't get hurt, please. Because guess who's going to be taking care of him, Geekscapers? I am. <laughs> um, all right. So you've got this thing. It's going to festivals. The response is good to yeah. this first episode. Yeah. And at that point in these festivals is that when like people in suits come up to you and they go, you Lisa? Of course right. I'm Lisa. My, yeah. my, my face was on screen. We're from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here is a no. <laughs> here is a giant briefcase of cash. Right. Yeah. And uh, you, you know, you may have heard some of uh, our other shows, and uh, you just like like how like it's still a struggle, isn't it? Yeah. What happened? Um, you know, basically, it's it's not a show for YouTube. You know, this is not like a short little snippets that like twenty something people are going to watch. And so, um, I heard that Amazon was allowing individual content creators 
to do, you know, a revenue, revenue share where you could upload your work to prime if it meets all their sort of professional requirements. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would get a piece of anybody who watches it. Um, and so I thought Amazon was a great platform for it. Seed and Spark, meanwhile, had launched this distribution service that was kind of the same idea for indie filmmaking. Um, so I decided that's, you know, how that I was going to release it myself. I was going to stop waiting around for someone to say, yes, I pick you. And I was going to just keep going the way I had been this whole time, which is like being my own advocate and, and doing it myself. And how has that been? Like, uh, how has Seed and Spark worked? Not to put anybody on blast. But uh, but are you happy with the Seed and Spark? Uh, I'm just saying this yeah. to the Geekscapists who are maybe contemplating something like that. Um, you're happy with how Seed and Spark has been doing the distribution, and are you happy with like how people have, have people been finding it on Amazon? Yeah, they have been. Yeah, I mean, and all, both of them are non-exclusive, so it's great that it can be on both those platforms. I mean, I could put it on, I could put it on Vimeo on demand. Sure. I could put it on iTunes. I just haven't gotten right. around to it yet because you're waiting for that person, those people in the suits with the briefcase to yeah, come right, up and be now. like. Are you Lisa Ebersol? Hi. We're here to offer you this. And they open up the briefcase. No, it's just full I mean, of gold. I would say like the, what this process has definitely taught me and, and re-instilled in me from my playwriting days is like I'm not waiting for the people in the suits. Like mm-hmm. I don't have an agent. I don't have a manager. I have a lawyer if I need to get a deal done. Sure. But I don't – I'm not waiting for someone to say yes. You know, I'm just going to keep saying yes and pushing forward and doing what I have to to make my work. That's awesome. Geekscape is – that's – Pretty much uh, the attitude. I think that's huge. Um, just keep going. Don't ask for permission. Yeah. Remember, like, the, like, what would you do to get those six months back where you went around? Oh, yeah. I mean, permission? it's such a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what do you think it is? Like, like our industry is kind of like, especially as a female creator. Yeah. Like, do you think that the, the, the cards are pretty drastically stacked against you? And I mean, what are, the hell are people even looking for? Do they know what they're looking for? Well, I remember someone, um, you know, someone watched it and they were like, oh, it's too much like girls. And I was like, well, except the girls are 25 and my character is 37 and dealing with a biological deadline and, you know, a dead father and, you know, just all these things that you're not even thinking about at 25. Who told you that? I mean, not to put their name on. Oh, no, it was just some executive. I don't even know. It's a he. I think it was a man. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) It's got women in it. It's a lot like girls. <laughs> it's, like, it's got. It's in L.A. with yeah. 30, 37 year old women, and it's a lot yeah. like twenty five year olds in New York. That dipshit could have been watching a Shira episode <laughs> and been like, "It's a lot like girls." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that girls episode where she has where, where, where her name's Jem and she has a magic yeah. guitar and she goes into a mirror and turns into a magic rock star. Well, I do <laughs> think. I mean, there is that sense like we've got the female ensemble show sure. covered. No, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I. I I don't know if I would I wouldn't lump you in with like an ensemble show because it's you and your yeah. it, it's got an ensemble cast but as far as like it's there's two girls yeah you know it's not it's not a it's not a pack of of twenty something no. sitting in a coffee shop you know talking about their cycles like it, it's not girls no it's not girls it's not friends it's its own thing and there is an actual drive to it like people to make it uh, to equate it to what you geekscapists may be conversing about this past weekend I know I was. Um, I was at lunch with a friend and we were talking about Gar- uh, Thor and I clearly am in love with this new Thor Ragnarok because I'm clearly in love with uh, Taika Waititi. I love Thor. Uh, and her criticism was it was too much like Guardians. 
And if you listen to the episode, yes, I get it's funny. Yes, I get it's weird. Yes, I guess I guess I, I get that it's spacefaring and that there's weird alien creatures and there's a color scheme maybe that's even kind of close. But at that point, you're not being critical anymore. Um, listen to the Geekscape uh, special on Thor if you've seen the movie. But the Guardians do not want to be heroes. The Guardians are space criminals. In that way, you can say Guardians is a lot like, I don't know, Farscape. Uh, which I named Geekscape after. Um, but it's not like Thor. Thor has a drive, and Thor is pretty singular. He does end up in some level of an ensemble, but he is the driving force. He wants to be a hero every moment that he's on screen, and he wants to save Asgard every moment that he's on screen in Thor. Uh, you can't say that about Peter Quill or any of the Guardians till the very, very end of the movie when they fall into some level of uh, a- you know altruism because an entire planet's going to be destroyed and the entire galaxy is going to be destroyed if uh, you know this... Infinity Stone falls into the wrong hands. It's a different movie, and it's a different narrative. And I equate that to what you're getting here. If for some reason you are not a fan of girls, just know understand that 37 Problems is not girls. No. She's, she's got a goal. I have a goal all, way, all the way through. <laughs> Her mom wants it to be one goal. <laughs> you want it to be another goal. Yeah. Um, so this thing, are you? I mean, you like where's, where are you going from here? You've, you've got some revenue coming in. And Geekscape, I want you to add mm-hmm. to that. And it's coming in from these different streams because uh, that is the new model. Welcome to 2017. That's the model of filmmaking that you have to distribute on your own and push on your own. Um, season two. Season two. So um, what I'm doing now is just trying to get as many people as I can to watch season one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of you listeners. We get and ahead of ourselves. All Sorry, of your friends. We get, ex- we get excited. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, the idea would be to make a season two. And also I'm making, I'm writing a half hour kind of cable version of it where the character um, is kind of doing what I'm doing now, which is being 41. And sh- I'm not quitting Hollywood. But in the uh, TV story, the character quits Hollywood and moves back to D.C. because her mom is sick and becomes the guidance counselor at her all-girls high school. Wait, is your mom okay? My mom is okay, but she was I was in D.C. because she was sick, so that just got me thinking about all of that stuff okay. with parents getting older. Good. Yeah, um, yeah that's it's kind hard. of a kick in the ass. It's really hard. Is when you look up and your heroes oh, yeah. are suddenly like, uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. it's heartbreaking. Um, you just got me thinking about my dad and going to visit him for Christmas. My dad is not sick. Geeks gave us... Um, he just raised a very sick son who talks to you every week on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, so you, so you you have this season two that you kind of continues this universe of the thirty seven problems narrative. Yeah, well, season two is more like okay, you know, she, my character Amanda, decides like okay, I want to do this baby thing, but now how do I do it? Being, you know, 38, single, without living paycheck to paycheck on Obamacare, without a boyfriend, like, is it even possible to sort of have it all without mm-hmm. a lot of resources and money? Sure. And you also have this alternate universe version, which could be a future version. Yes. For you geekscapists who love, like, that kind of alternate reality yeah. stuff. It could be a future version. Yes. It could be, like, the Days of Futures Past version exactly. of 37 Problems. Yeah. And she ends up... Uh, uh, moving back to DC, taking care of her mom, and then having yeah. a bit of a different life. Yeah, potentially with those same ones. Yeah, drawing her. Else, she's conflicted. Yeah, conflicted. Yeah, I mean, she's still like reading Deadline, but she's in DC. Oh, that's that's <laughs> it's brutal. That's really tough. Yeah. Uh, and trust me, I would love nothing more than to like go back home to Austin, Texas, and just have like a fun time with the people I grew up with and feel at home again. But 
no, the call is too strong. Well, um, I think it's like, it's I mean, crazy. you know, I like to write about, um, I never do the write what you know thing. I just do the write what's like confusing the hell out of me right now. And I think, you know, a friend of mine got pregnant, um, you know, kind of not on purpose. And I found myself jealous. Hmm. Because she didn't have to make the decision anymore. Like it was done. I've never questioned, like if I were to accidentally get pregnant right now, I would have the baby for sure. And it would just be a relief to not have the decision kind of looming. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of where I'm operating from now is like I can spend days where I'll, I'll sort of just live in the moment and not think about the future. And then I start thinking about the future and freaking out and – um you know, one of my, uh, one of our writing clients is an older woman who said to me the other day, she was like, my biggest regret is never having children. And I'm like, oh, great. That's exactly what you had to hear. <laughs> You're really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It's, it's like an interesting couple of years now because it's sort of like do or die um, in terms of biological children. Obviously, I could have foster children or adopt children yeah, or Professor something X in the did future. That. Yeah. Professor X did that with his whole mansion of X-Men. Oh, yeah, that's that. right. I could yeah. I could have some ex ex children. <laughs> he could and then by the, they go on and they fight crime. <laughs> so that, I mean, now you now you understand what it would be like to be a parent with me. <laughs> I'd be like, "Let me train you." Uh, then you turn into Alfred and I feel like Alfred is the worst parent in the history of anything. Um, take, take an 8-year-old on the night that he was traumatically lost his parents and be like, "Okay, little billionaire, I understand you're angry. Let's turn you into a super ninja with S and M like needs and violence issues. Like no thanks. Sorry, Batman fans. As we look forward to Justice League, that's all I think about when I think of Batman <laughs> is that he went through like crazy horrible parenting at the hands of Alfred. Um, I'll make you a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Alfred. Not what he needed. Um, so. Uh, and are you still able to like write like other features and things like that, like other things? Because it sounds like you're busy. It sounds like you've yeah. got this whole coaching thing yeah, going no, on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm busy. I mean, I do nuts. my own work right now is writing that TV pilot cool. and 37 In problems. seven weeks, you're yeah. writing the TV pilot. Well, I don't know. I might take a few more weeks, but I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Not fair. Practice what you <laughs> preach. I know. That's that, It's really hard. Uh, yeah. I was asked about, um, I have a manager and he really wants me to write a television episode and I honestly am just like trying to wrap my head around because I know the whole industry is going to television and yeah. everybody's talking about like television is the new Sundance as you are proving right here with 37 <laughs> Problems. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I like the security of an ending. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I feel like I like the stability of a three-act structure and a continuation and like seeing that there's just like a cliff face yeah. somewhere in the distance is like gives me anxiety like i don't know when it's gonna come. it's life <laughs> it's the ne- whole it's neurosis it's yeah. my ocd does not allow me to do an episode so when you guys realize like that when we make here the prophecy as a movie and you're like oh, i thought this would have been a better as a tv show or or a webisode oh, fuck off <laughs> <laughs> all right because the idea of that and having to create like that just just having i mean I think what I really like about this is that uh, you flipped it and you gave us an hour of content that feels episodic and it is the new media. It is the new form of storytelling and uh, and it feels complete. And you, when you watch that, it feels complete, but there's still an ability to go forward. And uh, and it was really nice to, listen, to watch that on my own and be like, you little jerk, quit being such a 
and just get it done. <laughs> like, just go. Because, like, it can be anything you want it to be. And and it's really inspiring, like, Lisa, like, listening to you just talk confidently and passionately about this series. Thank and, you. like, go forward. And, and, like, I can understand how you uh, fell into inspiring and coaching others into doing this. It was really, it's really, really cool. Um, we look forward to season two. Thank you. But right now, we got to watch, watch season, season one. one. Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, uh, Geekscape is... Amazon Prime. I love that you're getting visibility. I love that Amazon is a, is giving filmmakers a chance to do this stuff. Yeah. Um, get on Amazon Prime. Watch 37 Problems. Uh, or if you guys are filmmakers yourselves, get in that community at Sea and Spark. I really believe in it. Uh, and not just because of my relationship with Julie um, Keck at Sea and Spark, who I think she's amazing. I love seeing her posts on Facebook. She makes me laugh. She's a bit of a ball buster. Um, but because I do believe in what they're doing and Kickstarter is great. Indiegogo is great. Those are all great. Um, but the community aspect of it in the way that they in, are really, really focused on supporting filmmakers, not just in fundraising, but also through distribution and production is huge. Kickstarter does not, I mean, those others just, they don't give filmmakers to my knowledge, hard drives or a social network to continue throughout the production of their film. They don't really take them by the hand. And, and, and like I said earlier, filmmaking can be a really lonely, doubt-filled process or what Lisa told you. The process of trying to go out into like the empty echo chamber of Hollywood and see if anybody's listening can be incredibly demoralizing. Do you ever wish you stayed in New Brooklyn? Oh, uh, no. I mean, the thing I miss most about New York is walking. I, I just, I'm not a driving person, so I still, I that part of being here kind of sucks, but, um, you're in Venice. You can walk around. Yeah. I, I, well, that's why I'm in Venice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I it's mean, a, I love yeah. the energy of New York and I still love the theater scene. I saw a show when I, when I was in DC taking care of my mom these past two weeks, I made it to the theater and, and saw a great show at the studio theater in DC. So I do miss that world. But, uh, I mean, I love, I, I think like out here having so many people doing what you're doing i mean it's it was really inspiring to sort of make this show and get so much support from the film community out here um the ceo of seed and spark actually played the pregnant lady in my uh web and she's series. all me yeah and she I was pregnant it. it's a great scene. yeah uh so she's yeah she's fabulous i don't want to spoil it for you geekscape it is in the trailer part of it is in the trailer but uh but go out there and check it out 37 problems we told you where to find it uh I love talking to you. It was great Thanks. to talk to you too. Thanks. Um, Geekscapist. We'll be back next week. We'll probably be back before that with some a special or something, <laughs> but we'll be back next week. Uh, we love you guys. Check us out on uh, geekscape.net. We've, we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Again, on Facebook, we love having you guys in the Geekscape Forever group, talking amongst yourselves and being community-oriented. And you can find Lisa online at... At Lisa Ebersol on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook... Slash Lisa Ebersol, I guess. No Instagram. Oh, yeah. No, Instagram too. At Lisa Ebersol on Instagram. Sorry. Tri- <laughs> she, she's got the trifecta. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Geekscapist. We'll talk to you guys next week.